Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Easter is the highest holy day in Christianity. It may also be the most dangerous time for our military overseas. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And uh, normally I talk about what's the most significant story of the week. Uh, but today is Holy Saturday. It's also Passover. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. And I feel that... Uh, out of respect for this highest holy day in Christianity, I'm not going to just dive into what's um, the latest scandal out of Washington or the biggest policy issue. I want to get into some policy issues that I think are actually relevant to uh, an appropriate discussion for today. But I thought it it might be good to take a step back and and talk about something a little more metaphysical let's say or religious religion is completely out uh, outside my comfort zone i'm a practicing catholic i finally after many many years kind of arrived at my mother's proposition i used to ask her it was like hard for me to get my mind around uh the idea of knowing my own name after i die my brain is dust and and i'm gonna have an afterlife and it's hard for me to understand the nature of god i'm sure it's not really for us to understand so uh, and after a very terrible tragedy in my family um some years ago i decided to go back to the church even though i really struggle with those questions and uh and i may be the only person like on earth who says the only person i ever hear who said i i really i feel for me anyway that religion is a great uh, guidepost. It's it's just it's good. I think it's you know for me and for my family it's good. And what I like specifically about it is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel about ethics and morality. They have, uh, you know, there's even like in Catholicism is great for like lists of things: corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy. Of course, everybody knows the Beatitudes um, and. One of the things I've been looking at lately are the virtues. There are seven virtues, four cardinal virtual virtues, three theological virtues. And I am the last person. If you There are a lot of radio hosts who talk about faith, who talk about religion, who can quote the Bible. I am not that person. I am just trying to figure out how to live a better life, and it's hard. So uh, so I look sometimes at these, at these things because I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I'm not capable of that. So I thought in honor of Easter, at the top and bottom of uh, every of, of this of the hour, I would share with you uh, one of the virtues and 
just as a as a way to kind of stay focused on how to be good. So the seven virtues are really uh, the characteristics of a good person and the and the characteristics that we should try to um, cultivate. So the first one, there's actually an order. The first one, as soon as I read what it really meant, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need the most. I think about this all the time as a mom. Uh, prudence. In, and the definition is to discern the true good in any circumstance and choose the right means of achieving it. And as a mother, I'm constantly looking at my kids thinking, you know, should I crack down? Should I ease off? Should I monitor what they're doing? Should I um, give them their space? Like what's, you know, is it, is it, what am I doing the right things? Cause I put a lot of effort into, I have a lot of energy and I do a lot of work and I really put, you know, even with this show, you know, I wonder what, you know, what the, what the value is. And it's very, very important to, to not do any harm, you know? So I try to be honest. I try to be thoughtful. I try to see, I, I always pray this, especially with motherhood to see the path to to see the goal and to see the path because i have the energy to walk the path i'm just not sure i have the judgment to know exactly what to do so that's what prudence is so that i think that's a great virtue to start out uh in honor of easter but i also think in honor of easter uh even though i do i do want to keep it light a little lighter today i'm not sure i'm going to be able to because i realize that uh, this is such a joyful holiday that we sometimes forget what I believe is actually the most stressful time for people who have relatives in the military, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, who are deployed overseas, especially in the Middle East. And and it could be just anecdotal, but I get the sense that there is some activity afoot. Uh, there are kind of high alerts right now because at one level, not at the maybe not at every level, but at, at one level, religion is a piece of the puzzle here in, in our activity in the Middle East. And last year on Palm Sunday in Egypt, there was a terrible bombing in a church. And right now I noticed that Egypt has a high alert out for this weekend, and they just had really a sham election to confirm Sisi as the head and as the head of the government. This is a guy who we installed in a coup. So now the guy he replaced is somebody that we kind of installed also, and he replaced somebody we kind of installed also. So uh, I'm not really opining on the politics of it, but when you have tension and and then we have a presence there, our people could be in danger and it's scary. And I feel like uh, things are heating up all over the place right now. Um you know, I, I, I feel like there are many portents of war, like a lot of things that are pointing to real war. And a lot of times I will dismiss that. Like when you see really bombastic headlines about North Korea at the same time that Trump signs a huge, unprecedented almost spending bill and blames it on needing to build up the military. Sometimes I think, well, they set the stage for that by scaring people, uh, you know, thinking that a trillion dollars a year, you know, is really necessary year in and year out to protect us. Uh, so I, I, I kind of try to take that stuff with a grain of salt, but so many different things, so many different pieces of the puzzle seem to be uh, clicking into place that I'm actually rather concerned that we're headed into a real, a real war, like a hot war. And, 
And paradoxically, something that came out this week that maybe sounds like it's uh, it's a standing down, I think, may be the worst portent of all, which is that Trump said he was going to pull out of Syria. And I just had this vision of when uh, that tsunami in Indonesia happened a long time ago, like maybe 2004. There was a kid on the beach who said the beach all of a sudden started growing bigger and the water was receding and the people, the beachgoers were kind of like taken by surprise, puzzled. And the kid said, I mean, who knows if it's a true story, but I I heard the story. The kid said, oh, oh, I just learned about this in school. I know what happens. Um, When this happens, it means a really big wave is coming. And then the people freaked out, you know, and started to run for cover. And when when Trump said he was going to pull the troops out of Syria, really not supposed to have troops in Syria, but they was going to pull them out and all this. Um, this happened within a few hours. An American soldier got killed over there in Syria on the ground. And I thought maybe he's pulling those those troops out. Uh, and what's going to come is maybe like the carpet bombing, you know, of Syria. And then I read in the newspaper today an article that said uh, people are worried that Trump is making the same mistake as Obama, which I always thought wasn't really a mistake, but an excuse for escalation, that pulling out will leave a vacuum and ISIS will rush in and we'll just end up with a much bigger war on our hands. So you're forewarned what might be coming. And I think that this maybe is just... uh, they're setting up a narrative to justify a massive surge over there by making it look like you non-interventionists, it's your fault, when in reality that's the plan all along. So that, so I'm, I'm pretty worried about this stuff. I want to get into it. When I want to take some calls. Um, I want to get to some tweets, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, do we have a tweet? We do. Lay it on me. We have oh, one. sorry. I have to. I should say, <laughs> come out of nowhere. That Binkley is my producer, and he follows Twitter, and he's also responsible for all the great um, clips that we hear. So he always brings some a totally different perspective because he has the stomach to follow like extreme left wing propaganda, which I don't have the stomach for. And I know that you've got some lighthearted stuff for us later in the show, Binkley. I appreciate that. But let's see if we have a tweet on point. Yes, we have one from JJ who tweets. All of this 3D chess, can't we just take the board away from them? That's a good point. That so the things I'm talking about, it's religion at a certain level, it's pulling it's you know pulling away so that you can rush in. Uh, ultimately, I think what's happening in Syria has nothing to do with Assad being bad or um, ISIS being there or terrorism or anything. I think it's more about geopolitics, probably control of gas pipelines, uh, domination of Um, energy-rich regions of the world. I think there is three-dimensional chess going on where every level is a serious game. Um, But it's hard to know because those levels kind of um, confuse the issue. Uh, They encroach on one another that it's very hard to see what's really going on, which is why I don't think in a representative government like ours we can really direct our government on how to control other countries that we don't have exposure to. So that's why I'm not, I'm not an isolationist, but I don't believe we should intervene in these affairs because we can't understand them. And if we can't understand them, that means we're just delegating it all 
to the powers that be. James, hang on. I'll get your call after the break. And uh, stay tuned. We have a lot of awesome stuff for this show. Hopefully it'll be in the right tone for Easter weekend. Uh, 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is a beautiful day today. Great baseball weather. It's 64 degrees outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, it is Easter weekend. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Um, I want to keep it light, but I'm worried. I'm worried about what's going on in the world. Uh, 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to James in Atlanta. How you doing, Monica? Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing all right, but as a, as a devout Catholic, um, I hope all the other Catholics in the world see the defraud of anti-Pope Francis, who, you know, his whole appointment as the Pope appointment, because I don't believe he was selected by the Holy Spirit. I believe it was something fishy going on with the first pope in 600 years to retire and oh my gosh my husband and i were just talking about that last night like what what went on with that yeah well what went on with that from what i'm hearing from people is they threatened his life that the people that have gotten into the catholic church in the upper echelons of the catholic church are not true catholics i mean um they're trying to take our religion and use it for their political yeah, it's funny because I said earlier in the show, I'm I'm like one of the few people I've ever heard admit that like I like the religion for the religion's sake. But what I didn't say is I absolutely do not have faith in the Vatican as it is. And in particular, the uh, and I know it's very controversial. I mean, you really have to watch it if you criticize the pope. But I've always kept an eye on whether a pope has ever advocated stealing. And redistribution of wealth by the government is stealing. It's yeah. against the Ten Commandments. And I, I believe, from my interpretation, Pope Francis is the first one I can point my finger at and say he actually advocated that. And that's when I was like, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. Well, he's totally different from uh, John Paul II. I mean, he's preaching communism. He's a communist, a Marxist. He doesn't preach the gospel. And I think this week you should have uh, seen his true colors when he said there's no such thing as hell. I saw that. Wow. There's always a translation issue with him. I've noticed this many times. Maybe it goes to the art of ambiguity that we get with Trump, that they throw it out there to cause controversy. Oh, he really didn't say that, but they didn't well, really if, deny if, it either. If he really didn't say that, why is the, why is the Vatican out strongly? And then this is not the first time he gave an interview to this guy. He always gives an interview to this guy, and it always, he always says something. It's, oh, this was lost in translation. He didn't really mean it. He meant exactly what he said. I think it's time for him to go. Hmm. Um, I don't know what we're going to I don't know what we can do as Catholics because the people in the Vatican are totally out of touch. The people that are in the control around him. Are there was a there was a report that came out. It was while Benedict was still pope. It was by like the Vatican Council on Peace and Justice or something. And it's not the only time I've seen this where they call for a true world authority, a true world authority, which is. Yeah. You know, given the U.N. the power to tax and and enforce laws yeah. with violence. I mean, that's pretty dangerous stuff. And that is coming out of the Vatican. 
it's coming out of the Vatican and it's stuff that you've never heard before because he was he was put there for a reason. And it's very important what the, what he says because that you know he's supposed to be the the leader of the Catholic Church. Yeah, no, I I think it's very important and and similarly with Trump like you you think that they're throwaway comments, they're ambiguous. I think they're they you really need to pay attention. James, it's always so interesting when you call. Um I thought that would really blow the lines up. I'm glad it didn't because I'm not somebody who can I don't really focus on religion like that. I just am trying to lead a good life, but I, I agree. Something fishy's going on. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. And on the break, Binkley asked me, like, are libertarians more or less religious? And I've seen libertarians all along the spectrum. And uh, given that libertarians believe in small government or in some cases no government at all, it doesn't really matter what their religious beliefs are. Like Ron Paul, the most prominent libertarian in the country today, I bet you don't even know what religion he is what sect he describes himself as belonging to because it's not relevant. I personally think that the way this is Easter weekend, so I'm doing something I virtually never do, which is touching on religion. I feel like as an anarcho-capitalist where I think society is self-ordering that right and wrong are its own, offer their own rewards and consequences that religions that tell you, which is basically all of the major religions to which more than half the people belong, to behave well and to take care of each other. So it's self-ordering. It's a voluntary organization where people take care of themselves. Now, I, I do understand the argument for government. I mean, I, I do understand the idea of delegating your right to self-defense for the common defense or to help you sleep at night with a neighborhood watch or whatever. You know, I'm not going to debate that. I think you can be right coming out of different sides of that. But I did want to list off the virtues, um, which are the characteristics of a good person, because I think it's nice to focus on this stuff once in a while. And there is an order. And the second one, the first one was prudence. The second one is justice. And this is so tricky because this is one of those words like liberty or freedom that can be really uh, used against people to say, well, I'm for liberty, I'm for justice. And then you think, oh, we're on the same team, but you're not. And it's actually kind of tricky to define. So I'm reading this from, I guess, the catechism. I think it was, yeah, the catechism of the Catholic Church. Justice is the moral virtue that consists in constant and firm will to give your due to God and neighbor. Uh, justice toward God is called the virtue of religion. Justice towards men disposes one to respect the rights of each and to establish in human relationships the harmony that promotes equity with regard to persons and the common good. I mean, even that you could you could interpret that to to comport with social justice, which today means redistributing wealth, which I totally disagree with. I don't think that's justice at all. I think that's stealing. Um I I do feel, though, I've always felt that the most important um, virtue in this regard was the, to not treat somebody in an in, inside your group with better ethics than people outside your group. Like, don't favor in-group. I think that was kind of the essence um, of Christ's message. But like I said, I am not a student of religion. I'm just doing my best like a 
regular middle of the road person, which I know is not really super admirable, but just trying to trying to suss it out, sharing with you a few of my kind of rules for living. And I think the virtues are a great way to outline that. Uh, it is Easter. I, I did touch on the fact that I'm a little worried about quite worried, actually, about what's happening geopolitically in the Middle East, particularly this weekend, but the implications for um, the rest of President Trump's term. I, I really have my concerns that he's putting together a lot of policies and people that that could be interpreted as headed towards a hot war. So I want to get to some calls, 800-WSB-TALK. Uh, get to some tweets at Monica Perez Show. My trusty producer, Binkley, here is queuing up some clips for us to uh, to add a little variety to the show and also following the Twitter feed. Do we have a, a an on-point tweet, Binkley? We have a tweet from Scott who says, hmm, sounds like that last caller wants to drain the swamp at the Vatican. Interesting. Yes, James, who's always an interesting call, I must say. Uh he did suggest that there's something screwy going on at the top. Um, and I agree. I mean, I, I always look to why like people say some popes are liberal, some popes are conservative, whatever. I just always make sure they're not advocating killing or stealing for starters, you know, to really be like, okay, this guy is completely off the wall. And I never really found any quotes from popes that, that outright said the government should redistribute wealth, which I consider to be stealing. But I believe Francis has said that. And, uh, and I also am not crazy about his focus on refugees, which I think is a way to get the left to focus on the refugee crisis rather than uh, opposition to war, which was their traditional position, opposition to war would solve the refugee crisis by by helping the refugees, by acting sympathetic to them. You welcome them with open arms. You actually abet the war. You actually it's like a release valve. And what you really want is to go back to the level of the war and say, we do not have a right to bomb Syria and displace millions of people. We need to stop doing that. And the left used to be there for that. And I think Obama silenced the anti-war left and redirected it. And now it just flounders around. And all it cares about now is identity. All it cares about is identity. And not these are words, you know, violence and killing. Those are real things. We, we need to forget. You know, we're so rich in this country. We think that words are the only things that matter. It's actions. It's the damage done that really, truly matters. Uh, I want to get to some calls. I'm going to Ken in Conyers. Hi, Ken. You're on with Monica. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I have a lot of respect for you. I'm an avid constitutionalist. So, as a libertarian, we're not too far off the mark from each other. I agree. I've, I've been both a registered Democrat and a registered Republican in my life. I tend to follow uh, the lead of whoever I think is following the Constitution. Uh, that being said, uh, I was a registered Democrat. I voted for Obama. Uh, I just recently voted for Trump. The reason that I am the way I am is because I'm one of them kind of people that goes uh, very, very far back into history and and can tell you things that maybe even you as a younger person don't know. I can go back to Truman, uh, what Truman said about the CIA as he was developing it. I can go back as to the OSS. I, as the OSS, uh, or that's right about yeah. the CIA 
it being a secretive branch of government that's outside of our three original branches of government, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. kind of throws the checks and balance system out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eisenhower warned us of the industrial military complex and, and the problems that could arise from that. Kennedy, uh, his brother Robert, was head of the Commission Against Organized Crime in Government. Kennedy spoke a very, very elegantly worded speech about the CIA one week before his assassination, saying basically that he would dismantle it piece by piece if he had to, to get to the bottom of the problem. And then a week later, he was assassinated. I believe LBJ was the one who assassinated Kennedy. I believe that uh, Granddaddy Bush, who signed documents for the Warren Commission, had a lot to do with it. I believe that uh, Daddy Bush, who was head of the CIA before he became president, had a lot to do with some of the corruption that's going on. I don't, I don't think you're wrong about any of that, but I do have to ask you to bring it bring it home. I am bringing it home. Okay. The, the okay the 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 J the G W Bush when he went into uh, uh, Iraq, he went into Iraq to supposedly do what he was supposed to be stopping what happened with 9-11 well had he been doing what he was supposed to be doing he wouldn't have been in iraq to start with right newsweek wrote an article about at towards the end of the war about how many pallets of cash that were now unaccountable that had gone to iraq the amount of pallets of cash stacked four feet high hundred dollar bills would cover a football field so this corruption has not been new. You know where he would have been this, if it was really about 9-11? He would have been in Saudi Arabia, who had 15 right. of the guys and the Osama the bin Ladens, and they're our best friends. What does that say? Saudi Arabia, even Afghanistan, for that matter, but because he was jumping from place to place, as we all know now. But but my point is, and I, and I like to get to that point, which is that it, it, it didn't stop there. The, the the only real president that was voted in on grassroots campaign was Jimmy Carter. Now, when Jimmy Carter got voted in, it was because the American farmers were losing their farm. They it was a grassroots effort to get him elected be, to, because the you really think so? Because I think he was a I CFR creation by Brzezinski. So. I lived through it, and I'm telling you, I absolutely know so. He had a grassroots campaign that got him elected. Maybe. Jimmy Carter recently called the government an oligarch. The reason he did that is because when our when our uh, Supreme Court voted in that money could any amount of money could come into campaigning, they pretty much made damn sure it was excuse my language an oligarch. It, that's what it is now. Now, G. W. Bush. A lot of people don't know this. But he was involved with the Iran-Contra scandal because he was uh, under, he was over, excuse me, Oliver North. Yeah, he was actually you know. seen in Mena, Arkansas. I've got I've to cut you off, Ken. I gave you five full minutes, which may be unprecedented. Um, in, he, he was definitely, that senior Bush was definitely a part of the Mena deal where they were running drugs in there. Um, Jimmy Carter, you may be right. I wasn't there. I didn't see the grassroots movement. I do think that he was um, connected with Brzezinski, who obviously is as deep state as you can get. 
But he did get uh, shuffled out of office pretty quickly, Carter did. So maybe he couldn't be relied on even if he did have some kind of um, backing. I'll give you that one if you want. Um, But yes, there's not too much there that you said that I would disagree with. And I do think that the parties, even if they say they defend the Constitution, they really don't. So you could flip around looking for somebody to defend the Constitution for. You'll probably never find it. I'm going to thank you, Ken, for the call. I'm going to Jane and Marietta. Hi, Jane. You're on with Monica. Hi, Jane. Thank you. Wonderful show. On this Easter weekend, I just want to point out, people may not realize, there's a resurgence of of, uh, Christianity in Russia. It used to be an extremely Christian and religious country before communism stomped it out, of course. And you can read in numerous sources there's a real resurgence, which Putin is is not only allowing but encouraging. So uh, I think this whole anti-Russia and Putin movement is is highly fishy. And I just wanted to point out to the listeners that Christianity is reviving, and we need to support that. Because with that are the values that we believe in um, for for all of us. So that's a, a, um, a very very interesting take, Jane. And I sometimes do wonder if the secular Western powers, whether uh, you believe or agree with the tenets of religions like. Um, Islam, I think, has a tenet against usury, not to use interest. That's a threat, you know, interest on loans. That's a threat to the Western power system. That alone could be a reason to want to radicalize it and target it. Similar, but, and I have thought of that before, but Jane, what you're saying, I never actually thought of that before, that um, Russia is newly, it has to be the enemy, not, not, what I originally thought, which is, or, you know, I'm still thinking more or less, is that they they would be the really only other polar opposite of us in and challenge us for the West, I mean, for control of energy resources. If you controlled all the energy resources of the world, you could basically control the world, I think you could argue. Uh but if it's it's if it's more profound than that, if it's if it's the fact that Religion is the true enemy of the state, or at least a counterpoise to the state. Perhaps that is why uh, we would we we have not we do cannot really absorb the West because David Rockefeller wanted to merge East and West. Um, and I always thought of it as like having to slow down the Western economy and build up the Eastern economy for that, but. You might be onto something in that you actually have to make sure the culture is debased first, which may be why they moved into the Russian Revolution in the first place. They say Wall Street was behind the Bolshevik Revolution, Anthony Sutton says. I keep going over. I got to take a quick break. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blew it up! On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 69 is the forecast high for today, 45 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, we're talking about Easter. We're talking about uh, the Middle East, which is um, the the seat of three religions. The uh, I feel like there are a lot of portents of war, and one of them is that Trump 
actually, the United States had already recognized Jerusalem as or planned to move the embassy, uh, our embassy to Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. But nobody ever had the nerve to do it because it could spark unrest. But Trump is doing it. And uh, and that's one of the the my growing list of what I'm calling portents of war. Um There are numerous things, but Binkley, my producer here, pointed out to me that one of the uh, things that always happens before a war is censorship. And I noticed that. I want to talk a little bit. I I don't have time in this short segment, but I will after the break. I want to talk about how censorship in the face of war goes back to John Adams, the second president with the 1798 Alien and Sedition Acts, where sedition was, get this, it was punishable. It was publishing false news. And Binkley, didn't you tell me what, what um, what's Monday? Monday is like a holiday of some kind. What is it? Oh, it's International Fact-Checking Day, the second <laughs> annual one. So this is, so hopefully we can explore this after the break. The idea is... What I've been noticing is all this fake news stuff. You know, Trump started it, but that it was the ball is definitely picked up by the left. There, the censorship is all around what they what they want you to believe. They call it untrue. They call it fake. They say you're using the wrong set of facts when you have a different opinion, and that's really political opinion. And that's really what the Alien and Sedition Acts were. They called it fake news, but it was really stuff that or false news. It was really stuff that. Uh, reports that were used to object to the undeclared war with France. And you can see at the Civil War, World War One, also, they, they, President Lincoln and Wilson put journalists in jail. I think maybe even a couple of legislators went to jail or were neutralized. I'm almost certain, I have to look up the facts on that, but I'm almost certain. I know journalists were, and that's most pertinent now, because they want to suppress dissent. But of course, it's at these times, it's at these major pivot points in history and policy that you need to preserve the First Amendment um, most strenuously. So I want to talk about that and other things that I think are leading us, make me think there might really be war on the horizon, scarily. 800-WSB-TALK-404. 872-0750. 8720750 you can tweet at me at Monica Perez show For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done